Welcome to the show, everyone. My name is Emily. And I'm Paige. And I am Rosalie, plotting elaborate ways to destroy Edward's team and dignity for all eternity in this baseball game. And I'm Carlisle, just vibing in this baseball game. And you're listening to Tuesdays Are for Twilight. How's it going? How's your day? Well, guys, um, my day is going great. I took my last final of the semester today, and I don't remember if we talked about this on the pod. I know I've talked about it with Emily, but this will be the first summer since 2019 that I'm not going to be in school. So I actually get to have a nice two and a half-ish months off, save money to for my next semester of tuition, and actually not feel guilty when I'm not doing something in my free time, you know, it's, I'm just really excited. And the final went great. And I was really nervous about it because it was chemistry, but it went great. So. Yes, ma'am. You know what that means, ladies and gentlemen, Paige's hot girl summer is on. I bought a bunch of crop tops that are arriving tomorrow. Hot girl summer is in full swing. Hell yeah. Except that it literally snowed in Colorado today. But other than that, hot girl summer is in full swing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How's your day going today, Emily? What's new What's new with the uh, OM life? You know, I'm just cruising at 30,000 feet. I'm doing the best that I can. I never have anything interesting to say. Um, tomorrow I have to mow my lawn. That'll be fun. That's a joke. It won't be fun. But it's part of life. We got to be big girls. We got to do it. Um really trying to think of a fun fact about myself I feel like I'm like returning from summer break and they're like share three things you did this summer and I'm like uh I ate some potatoes <laughs> it's like I don't know <laughs> that sounds like a fun summer I'm not gonna lie yeah yeah true um I had some really great chicken and waffles yesterday oof I that's one thing that I will never be able to not not to make this a bummer but like, I will never have good chicken and waffles ever for the rest of my life. And it's it's just really sad because fried chicken, yum. Waffles, yum. Combine them together with, like, some honey or, like, just a little sweet, sticky thing on there. Sauce. Oh, boy. I'm so jealous. I know. It was super good. They, they served it with syrup. And then, obviously, I asked for ranch because it's me. And then there was, like, this, like, chipotle spicy butter that I put all over the waffle, delicious. My mouth is wet right now with saliva. Ew, I hate you, gross. Sorry. <laughs> also, I did the thing where, cause we were having bottomless mimosas, so I was drunk off my ass. But I did the thing where I got a box and I put an entire chicken strip in there. It was like pretty big with my little ranch. And then we like sat there still drinking and then I ate the chicken. <laughs> with the ranch and I didn't need the box and I feel kind of bad look we have to enjoy the small things that's true that's a good motto I like that Mm -hmm. um so unfortunately this week we read chapter 21 of Midnight Sun which was called The Game Paige what do you think about this chapter um there were definitely some interesting highlights in regards to the backstory with the Quileutes and the the treaty that they have. Um, there's obviously some things that I don't know. And, you know, it was interesting to read. 
But I think my biggest takeaway from this chapter is that Stephanie does not know how baseball works. (laughs) Okay, say more. Well, there's just a part in particular that is not something that happens in baseball that I I had to reread a couple times because I was like, that's not a thing. Like, Emmett would never do this because he would know that this would be a dumbass move. And I just I just feel like she was riding outside of her comfort zone. And I, I picked up on it. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. I think I know what you're talking about. Um, this is going to be an interesting conversation today because you don't, like you were just saying, like I said, unfortunately, we had to read this chapter because I know the full story. And the section with the Quileutes is, what's the word? Horrific, I guess, because I know all the mechanics. So what I'm trying to say is, is like, It'll be interesting having a conversation today because you obviously don't have all the pieces, but I'm still curious to hear your thoughts on on what Billy Black has to say indirectly through Edward. Why do you say that it was horrific? (sighs) Well, Without, without spoiling. Yeah, I don't know if there's a way to do that. I mean, we can just chat about it when we get to that part, which is pretty early on, so... Um, the chapter picks up with Edward driving Bella back home so that she can get Charlie ready to meet him and everything. And um, as they pull up, they realize that Billy and Jacob Black are waiting for them. Had you forgotten about this? Because I remember you didn't predict it. I, for some reason, the, the last time that Billy and Jacob were there, for some reason, I confused Mm-hmm. Or sort of combined both of those into one time, I guess. So when it happened again, I was like, oh, right. I There was a second time that was much more in-depth and about supernatural things that I had for, kind of forgotten about. I don't want to say that I forgot. I just combined it with the other time because um, Edward wasn't there. So you didn't, like... You didn't need to see what was going on, I guess, because it's being told from Edward's perspective. So I just assumed that that had all already happened and Edward just didn't talk about it. But now, yeah, after reading, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess there was a second time that they were two different times that Billy and Jacob had shown up. Yeah, no, that's really understandable because they are pretty similar interactions in the way that Bella receives it, you know. Yeah. So... Edward is immediately mad because he thinks that Billy is there to break the treaty. And essentially he would do that by telling, Jacob already has done it, which Billy doesn't know, by telling a human what the Colons are. And um, Edward is angry about that. And Bella suggests that she deal with it. And he says, yeah, that's fine. Um, And then, you know, he says he's going to leave, which he actually doesn't until the the blacks leave. He stays and witnesses the whole conversation, obviously. On page 464, it's just, it's crazy to me how, like, palpable, not crazy, that's not the right word. It is enlightening to me how palpable Billy's fear is. Like, he calls Edward it, and he, like, he does, it's clear he does not consider it to be it, Edward, to be, like, a being with feelings and a conscience, like there is none of that going on, which I'm not blaming him. It's just interesting. 
Yeah, you can 100% hear it when, um, we'll get to it in a little bit, but when uh, Edward is hearing the memory of when they move back to Forks and um, Billy is kind of replaying that phone call in his head, the, the language that Billy uses is very indicative of this is something that he is very scared of. I think he uses the word monster, threat. Like, it's something very, very dangerous in his eyes. Right. And it's very interesting to try to put yourself in his shoes. Like, this is, like, worst-case scenario. It was worst-case scenario when they showed up in the first place. But he was hoping they would kind of, like, keep to themselves. And now one of them is literally, like, in your mind, in his mind, probably, like, planning on, like, killing your best friend's daughter. You know? Mm -hmm. And this is someone who, I mean, Bella doesn't, she says that she, like, kind of remembers Billy. They, she only really had met him when she was very young. But I'm sure Billy sees all of the photos of Bella, and Charlie talks about her all the time. And this is someone that he considers maybe not necessarily a family member, but someone very, very close to him. And to just know that that person who you care about is coerting with something very dangerous like that that would be so frightening yeah especially when he doesn't realize that Bella knows what they are were you surprised that he seemed to think that she was in the dark not really I mean in Billy's eyes no one has broken the treaty he he's none the wiser you know he probably just assumes like Bella was attracted to him because He's very attractive, and, I mean, it, it didn't surprise me. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so, yeah, before Be- Bella goes in to deal with the situation, Edward does this fucking thing that I hated in Twilight. I hate it even more now. He's just, like, doing it to be petty and gross and, like, kissing her throat and stuff, and it's making Billy freak out. I, It's making Billy freak out, rightfully so. But also, Edward is this huge proponent of, I'm going to keep you safe, Bella. I'm not a threat to you. I Sure, I'm dangerous, but I will never let that happen to you. And just to be petty, he throws that all out the window just to make it seem like he is a threat to an outside party. What are you gaining from that? There's right. that is That does nothing but make the situation in Billy's eyes worse. Like, you're not gaining anything from that yourself you're just making yourself look worse yeah he's a piece of shit basically (laughs) yeah to summarize uh, so Bella goes in and Edward moves to the woods by or like the tree by her house so that he can listen and um you know we just basically get a secondhand version of what is happening here so Billy sends Jacob out to the car because he has a hunch that Bella knows something that she's not sharing. And um, Jacob is is super bummed out this whole um, time that they're in it because he has a giant crush on Bella and it's clear that she's into Edward and dating him. That was such a bummer to read. I could, not that I like could put myself in his shoes, but there's definitely been times where I have a crush on someone and they very clearly don't have 
don't reciprocate the same way or what I thought the relationship we had was not in fact true and they actually have feelings for someone else and seeing them with that person it's all I can ever think about you know at the time so I I could definitely relate to Jacob in that it is very sad and also he's is he 15 or 16 at this point I think 15 100 percent as a 15 year old this would be devastating yes and he later on realizes that his dad has been embarrassing him and like threatening not threatening Bella but like warning her about things that he thinks are just stories mm-hmm. yeah so, that that would be cripplingly embarrassing as well yeah and there's this weird moment on page 466 where it's like almost in passing but it's Jacob's thoughts and he says something's gone rancid in here he thought and I wondered this is Edward and I wondered if he was reacting to his father's gift in the paper bag I'd smelled nothing amiss this morning what do you think about that I thought that that was bizarre but you know I know that Jacob is gonna have this ability to turn into a wolf at some point and dogs have a very keen sense of smell it's what they're they're known for so maybe it's Jacob kind of tumbling into his own supernatural abilities and he doesn't even know I don't really know anything about the supernatural side when it comes to the quilts like does Jacob even know that that's something that goes on I don't know I don't know but I did connect it to the wolf side like I thought that it had something to do with that okay yeah that's totally understandable just wanted to see what you thought about that. So Billy starts talking to Bella, trying trying to warn her. And he ultimately decides that she doesn't know the actual truth because he thinks that if she did, she wouldn't be spending time with Edward. So his thought is she must be keeping that thing a secret for her own reasons. She needs to know too. Maybe I can say enough to warn her without actually breaking the treaty. And then, um, Later down on that same page, Bella says something about, you know, the Colons have never broken the treaty because they don't come onto your land, basically. And that's when Billy kind of panics and he's he's like, oh, my God, she knows. And then that's again, he says she couldn't. She can't know the whole truth. So I don't know. Maybe he thinks that she does deep down, but he's like kind of in denial about it. Yeah, I mean, I could see maybe. Maybe in Billy's eyes, he's like, well, maybe she knows that there's some kind of agreement between our family and theirs, but not necessarily that it has to do with these particular things. Like, if there's if there's a family that you don't get along with or that your your family despises, I could see I could see being vocal about it to significant others and being like, yeah, well, we don't we don't go near there where they live we stay away from that side and they stay away from us you know so I could see maybe Billy justifying it in his mind that she knows a little bit but not necessarily the whole truth right he says um what could they have told her this is how page 468 what could they have told her that would make her so defensive of them not the truth some romantic fairy tale no doubt Mm -hmm. yeah Also, going back just one page on 467, I just wanted to point out, um, let's see, it's towards the bottom. It's right after the part that I just read where Billy is like kind of panicking because he's realizing that Bella knows something. And Edward says, the revulsion that colored his thoughts made my teeth grind again. 
And I just think this is a hypocritical line. I mean, obviously, if you're getting attacked in someone's thoughts, you probably would be offended. But he expects and anticipates and almost, I would argue, wants revulsion from humans. And then when somebody actually has it, he's pissed. It's just amplified because it happens to be someone that he already doesn't get along with. That, in his mind, has wronged him, even though Billy has done literally nothing wrong. Jacob was the one who broke the treaty, unknowingly. So, like, it's not like they did this out of spite. It was kind of an, I don't want to say an accident, but it was out of Billy's control. Why does he have to be such a dick about it? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, eventually, Billy and Jacob end up leaving. Jacob realizes that his dad only sent him out to the car so that he could talk to Bella alone. Billy settles on basically doing nothing um, because he says, Charlie wouldn't believe me anyways. I can't alienate, alienate him again. I need to be able to keep a watch on this situation. So he's planning on just, you know, like standing by and seeing what happens next. And um, so they end up leaving and Edward follows them on foot through the woods, follows their car. And as Paige mentioned earlier, he's remembering... So Billy, so Edward is listening to Billy remember the day that he got the phone call from Carlisle Colon telling him that they were moving back. And I know that you don't know the mechanics of this, so I, I kind of have to like tread lightly because it is um, spoilery. But my whole thing is, is like, why did they feel the need to move to a place, all other mechanics aside that we can't discuss yet, which we will someday, but... Where they know a portion of the local population will be significantly, feel significantly threatened and less safe for their presence. They can live anywhere they want. Yeah, I mean, I could see just because of the the whole weather situation and that they would be able to live with humankind safely. But like you said, they could go to a different city in Washington. They can move a little farther up north and go in Canada somewhere. Like, there are other options besides this place. Yeah, it just, it infuriates me. And you know what? I just wanted to have this full conversation and you're going to find out eventually anyways, so it's not that much spoilery, spoilers, but essentially the mechanics of the way that the werewolf thing works is the presence of a vampire is the catalyst. So I don't know if you realize, but Billy is kind of talking about how he, this all has been a legend to him that he was told about his grandfather, like by his grandfather or whatever. And, and we remember Jacob, Jacob's great grandfather was the chief that had made the treaty with the Collins. And so that would be Billy's grandfather. And so you know, it's clear that Billy had kind of just put this out of his mind because they haven't been around. But now that they're coming around, like they're moving back, just, and this is a big discourse in the fandom too that has been going on since Midnight Sun came out because Stephanie Meyer had, you know, she had the opportunity to make her her white perfect characters, perfect in quotes, 
like justify this in some way and they don't like they literally choose to move to a place where they're going to be basically ruining the lives of young people forever but it's more convenient for them you have to take that into consideration emily other people don't matter as much it makes me so mad i as someone who is hyper conscious always about how my existence affects others or like how my body like not my body but like my my person being somewhere affects others it is really now that now that i know that there's a part of the supernatural side of the Quileutes that is directly affected by vampires. It is very, like, it makes my skin crawl knowing that you would willingly go out of your way to choose something that would negatively affect someone else. A whole population of people negatively affect them. I just, I I can't justify that at all in my head. Yeah, me neither. There have been some that have tried to argue, and I'd be curious to hear what the listeners think, so feel free to write in your thoughts on it, but um, they've tried to argue that the Colons didn't know that, that they didn't know that their presence would act as a catalyst to do this to the Quileutes. If they didn't know, then why did Carlisle even call? I think, I, I agree with you, but I think that was part of the treaty in that if they decided to come back, they would have to contact the current living and or descendants of the original people who made the treaty. Okay. I, I guess my, uh, a question that is coming to mind right now for me that you might not necessarily be able to answer. So I might just put it out into the, the air. So Edward is very um, vocal about why he thinks that vampirism is negative and Rosalie and um, just like the, the negatives for them of who they are. And you have phrased it that the Quileutes being wolves is somehow a negative thing. I just want to know why it's negative for them. And you might not be able to answer that yet, but I'm, I'm curious to find out more as to why, why this would be upsetting for them to for that to happen i i just don't know right no that's a great question i know the answer i i am trying to frame it in a way with the information that you have right now i mean given the information that i've just given to you right that the presence is what creates it so you could live a quote-unquote normal life right if there's no vampires around you would never have to be the supernatural thing that you have no control over Gotcha. Or because a vampire family deliberately chooses to be there, you then have, you do not have a choice about what happens to your body. Interesting. Interesting. There's more to why it is negative, And that is also racially charged in how she deals with that. But obviously we'll get into that in subsequent books. Okay. That, that satisfies me for now. I mean, Rosalie's big huge thing has been that she didn't have a choice you know that her life was taken from her 
two different times without any consent on her part. So it's interesting to see that she wouldn't say something about it if it's going to take the the ability to choose away from other people. Right. Ultimately, what it comes down to for me is that they didn't care. They didn't see the Quileutes as a big enough reason to inconvenience themselves to which is not even an inconvenience. I use that term very loosely, which, because again, they could have lived anywhere. They didn't even have a house Esme had bought one when they moved there. So it's not like they had all this stuff like lined up. It just, they clearly don't care about them and how it affects them. Even if, even if they don't know that their presence is causing this, they still know that these people, I mean, it's obvious in the way that Billy speaks to Carlisle that he is traumatized, terrified, horrified. Like, this is the worst case scenario for him. And Carlisle's just breezing on through it like it's a business call. I just, I, I'm sure that the, the Twilight community has already pointed this out. But how, I don't, I, I don't want to say ironic. That's not the right word. But how pointed, I guess, how accurate for a literal white family to disregard a group of Native people for their own benefit, to destroy what life they've already established for themselves just because it is what they want. Right. And it's such a metaphor for me because this land has has belonged to these people for centuries. And we've done the exact same thing. We just mm-hmm. took it from them. We made it into what we wanted it to be. It This is only a supernatural interpretation of it, but it's the same fucking thing. I, it is, it's upsetting to me that Stephanie didn't see this. Like, I don't know. I mean, I didn't, I, I didn't know all the information, so I didn't see it, but as soon as you told me, it kind of hit me right smack in the face. Like, it's pretty fucking obvious to me. So, like, it's just upsetting that this narrative would be put out there. Right. And to me, it becomes a question of, like, she's the one who, who created the rules by which her supernatural story works. And she was the one who came out and said, in a book, that the vampire's presence causes the Quileutes to turn into wolves. Okay. So, you, first of all, you didn't even have to do that. Second of all, you then get a chance, however many years later, to try and justify it, and you deliberately choose not to. That I mean, to me, that just shows your values as a person. But 100%. It shows, it, it, it's like the Collins. It shows that she didn't care. That, right. that their beings as humans wasn't as important as the narrative that she wanted to tell. Exactly. And once again, I'll just remind everyone, and that's the last thing I'll say on it, but she also picked a real-life tribe to do this with. She did not make up a race of people. She picked a real one. That they did not choose. Yes. And only... I. What's the opposite of benefit? Mm, like harm I guess I don't know I I just I feel like there was no benefit for them they didn't get a choice and it detracted from them just being alive and existing yep exactly 
So I hope it's clear how we feel about that. There's other content in this chapter that we have to cover, but I'm not pleased. And as a white person, I this made me squirm in my seat, which is what it should do, which obviously is not what she wanted to have happen because she wants everybody to think that her vampires are like perfect angels, whatever. But it did because we've done this exact same thing by taking indigenous people's lands from them for centuries. Yeah, that, I mean, I, now that, now that I have the full story, like, like I said, when we, before we even started, I, I liked reading this because it had a little bit more information to me into the backstory and it really showed how Billy felt about them and that he really was scared and it it was interesting for me to read. But now that I know all this information, I'm like, Oh, I can see why this was horrendous. Yes. Yeah. I knew you would. Um, the only other thing that I wanted to point out from this conversation was that, well, first of all, Billy doesn't know that there are now seven. He last knew them as five. And second of all, you learn just kind of in the context of this conversation that the reason that his friendship with Charlie was on the rocks and the reason that Charlie got so defensive the first time that Bella brought up the Collins is because Billy tried to warn Charlie that Carlisle working at the local hospital in Forks was not safe. And Charlie, we don't get that conversation, but Charlie clearly did not take it well. Mm -hmm. And I mean, to be fair, if you are a person who has no concept of what is going on, right. It would it would make me upset for one person to be like, well, this person isn't safe. Don't trust them without any evidence to back that up. Like it just it it just seems derogatory. So I could see why Charlie wouldn't take it well. But I can uh, understand from an outside perspective what Billy was trying to do there. So. Right. And he was trying to walk us in line because he's not allowed to say, you know, and the extra layer is that he can't reveal that they're you know eternal living like immortal sorry i can think of the word immortal there um so he like and to charlie's knowledge they're new to the area they're completely new so you know billy had to walk that line of like these new people that i have never met are terrible like you know that would be really hard yeah yeah and i do appreciate that charlie is so willing to give people a chance to prove themselves not to write someone off immediately just because your friend says that they're bad like willing to hear someone else's side of the story but that being said I still I still stand by Billy trying to keep his friends safe and also everyone in the town because I mean as far as Billy knows they are a threat right definitely so after Edward listens to this memory in Billy's head. He kind of, he reaches, he gets pretty close to the treaty line. So he knows that he can't run any farther. So he runs back to his house and Rosalie is there trying to leave. Um, so you did predict that there was going to be this conversation. What did you think of this conversation between Edward and Rosalie? I just really love that the turning point for Rosalie was that Edward was like, you can beat me. You, there's a chance for you to destroy me. And that's what made her like, maybe maybe I will oh my god yeah same um the gist of it is that she's trying to leave so that she doesn't have to be around Bella and Edward is like please come like I want you there you're important to me 
And Rosalie's like, I'm not going to be nice to her. And then that's when Edward says what Paige just said, like, you might win and make me look bad. And she's like, okay, fine, I'll go. And then Edward gets Emmett to agree to be on his best behavior around Bella. And he basically just makes his preparations to go meet Charlie, borrows Emmett's Jeep, and then drives to Bella's house. So he parks a little bit away, a little bit of ways away so that he can kind of hear where Bella is at in her conversation with her dad. And, you know, it's not new information. We remember this obviously from Twilight. And um, it's fun. It's just funny to hear what Charlie is thinking in all of this. And he's like trying to figure out like when they first got together and he's remembering like how he took that, her car battery or like disconnected it or whatever. And he was like, hmm. I was probably right about that. <laughs> and um, it's funny, on page 477, Edward says something about... I'm not going to be able to... Oh, yeah. Okay. It's towards the top. Charlie's mind seemed to be vacillating between anxiety and humor. And I just feel like that's all dads when they go to meet, like, their child's significant other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I want to make the best out of this, but I'm petrified. <laughs> And also slightly angry. <laughs> I like that at one point, um, Edward mentions that Emmett's face pops up. And correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't Charlie, like, when um, when Bella says, like, oh, I'm, I'm going to go hang out with one of the Cullens, Charlie immediately thinks of Emmett first, like, oh, like, Emmett. And she's like, no, Edward. And that just makes me LOL that, like, Clearly, Emmett is hotter than Edward. Well, doesn't Charlie say something like, is it the giant one or whatever? Like, he says something about, is it the really big one? I forget exactly what it was, but it's something like that. Well, Emmett strikes me as the kind of guy that a dad would would enjoy as a someone dating their significant other, or their significant other, lol, their child. Like, mm-hmm. he just seems like the kind of guy that, like, likes sports and is masculine quote unquote you know someone that like you could you could be a dad with and talk about cars you know like I so I could 100% see Charlie wanting it to be Emmett yes and it's also that there's that weird dynamic of like everyone in town knows that these kids are together and also living together so he's probably like doing the arithmetic in his head like which ones aren't together I'm confused some of them are actual siblings like ugh it's a nightmare it is truly um so it's funny because like edward makes this whole thing about how they're gonna be like sitting and he's like okay i'll sit over here so like i don't make it weird they sit for what approximately 12 seconds if that i'm like what was the point of this because bella gets up to leave and of course on page 478 edward does the stupid thing which i think that you pointed this out in twilight but um you were like, or when he says, she'll be safe with me, I promise, sir. And you were like, that's a bad sign. <laughs> I I mean, it, we have, what, like 200 more pages or like 150. Everything that happens after this point is not safe for Bella. Truly. <laughs> by the, by the, the next, what is it, like, the end of next week or the week after that, she is going to have lost all the blood in her body. Jesus Christ. All right. So they go out to the Jeep 
Bella is shook. She's even more shook when she finds out they have to run part of the way. She's just kind of sitting there nervously and not saying anything. Anyways, I don't blame Bella. It did not go well last time, so. But they get out of the car, and Edward does that gross thing where he, like, makes Bella admit that there's nothing, that nothing bad is going to happen to her by, like, kissing her and blah, 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 don't care. Look, here's here's what I'm going to say. The last time that you ran with Bella, she was so green and feeling like she was going to faint that you had to drive, you being Edward. How is, how is, how are her feelings not valid? Like, you went out of your way to point out that she was really sick and that you weren't comfortable with her driving. So now you're going to switch it up and reverse and say she has nothing to worry about and then convince her that there's nothing to worry about? Is this a form of gaslighting? Probably. I'm, I roll. I'm just rolling every eye, even my third one. Um, I do want to point out, I had to read this, so y'all have to hear about it too, because it was fucking terrible. Page 482, um, right in the middle, it says, Edward says aloud, would I let a tree hurt you? My upper lip touched her lower lip with the slightest pressure imaginable. No, she sighed. It was a soft sound, almost a coo. Never, ever use that word again, ever. I like coo. Just a little under when he talks about purring. (laughs) I forgot about that. I don't use baby words when talking about, she's not an adult, but she's 17. Don't use baby words to describe your 17-year-old girlfriend, please, and thank you. Anyway, so then they start making out and Edward loses control and promptly blames it on Bella, which we thought this, that this was Bella's fault in Twilight. And it turns out it wasn't the whole time. Weird. Who even initiated this kiss in the first place? Yes. And who made it even worse by wanting to feel her breath in my mouth or whatever the fuck (laughs) again you don't need breath in your mouth i'm telling you it's not as good as you think it is disgusting so then edward's all mad so they run through the woods and when they get there bella falls off of his back and he cracks up laughing at her like a douchebag and then they have this brief conversation about how he wasn't mad at her. He was mad at himself. And Bella gives him way too much credit and says, you know, like has pity on him and is very kind to him. And then he finally says that he loves her and like acts like it's not a big deal. But we all know sister was freaking out about that. Yeah, it is a big deal when your significant other says the words. Yep. Yep. Also on page 486, which is the same page that he says I love you on, it's towards the middle. He says, or Bella says, you promised Chief Swan that you would have me home early. Remember, we'd better get going. And Edward thinks to himself, helping me again. I wish my weakness didn't force her to have to be so strong. You know what that sentence reminded me of? What? Do you ever see those corny ass graphics that are sometimes made into t-shirts on Facebook posted by like weird people? The ones where it's like, 
No, I'm not single. I have a country girlfriend who was born in September, and she she is sweet like the snow, but will be a tornado if you even talk to me. Literally, exactly like that. Listen, read that sentence in that dramatic voice that you just did. Helping me again. I wish my weakness didn't force her to have to be so strong. So fucking corny. I hate it. Also... If you if you wish that, then act better. Again. This this just strikes me as toxic. It's not the most toxic thing he's done, but it's certainly not the least. I'm definitely pulling that as a soundbite to just use at all times. This strikes me as toxic. <laughs> it fits everywhere. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so then they go up and Bella quote unquote meets Emmett. No, she met him at the house, I guess. But they, like, kind of chat and, like, have a little bit of banter back and forth. And then Edward, or I I did think this was very cute, where Emmett's like, I like her. I literally wrote Emmett with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight T's in my notes. It is, it is really cute. Emmett is just so, I don't know the word for it. there's no extra layers of what he says. He's very straightforward with what he says he means and how he acts is how he feels. To just, to to know that he's, I do like her is 100% how he feels about it is very cute. Yes, definitely. So they go and start the game and the teams are Carlisle, Alice, Edward, versus Emmett, Jasper, and Rosalie. And um, they, I mean, I don't need to go into every freaking ending because this whole thing is long. We will talk about the thing that Paige pointed out earlier, though. Um, But Emmett, or not Emmett, Edward is listening to Esme and Bella's conversation a little bit. And he gets rattled because out loud, Esme says, you're what he wants, it will work out somehow. And he realizes that in Esme's mind, that just means that, like, Bella will have to become a vampire. Which makes sense, because she doesn't want her son to be miserable. Like, what else is she supposed to want? Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I understand Edward's point of view, and I I do side with that it would be better to be mortal than it would be to be a vampire. But Esme and Emmett, have both been very pro and I think Alice, I don't know if Alice, I would say is pro uh, Bella becoming a vampire, but Esme and Emmett are like, why not? They are having a pretty good time with their lives. They got no complaints. So like it, it makes sense to me that she would be fine with it. You know, she's like, I'm having a great time. Bella would have a great time too. If you guys love each other, you know, why not? So I, I can see why Esme, is taking the stand that she is. Yeah, I fully agree with what you said about about Edward, too. Edward also overhears Esme telling Bella about her miscarriage and jumping off the cliff. And he kind of has this aside where he's like, I wonder if Bella's, like, if that's just the effect that she has on people that she makes them, like, tell, tell her all their secrets. Yeah, when I read that, that she's good at listening and that people might sense that, it made me think that maybe this is some kind of, not necessarily like 
a supernatural thing, but like before Edward was a vampire, he Carlisle kind of thought that maybe he just was able to kind of sense what people were feeling and thinking. And then when he got turned into a vampire, that power kind of got amplified so that he could read people's thoughts and that everyone has this thing that they're good at that becomes like a special skill almost when you get to be a vampire. So I'm like, well, I wonder if maybe that will be Bella's thing. Like maybe if she becomes a vampire, like somehow her willingness to listen will let people spill their guts. Interesting. I like that theory. Cool. So yeah, they go into the game. It goes back and forth. There's not much. I was going to ask you, did the trash talking live up to your expectations? We really only get a couple. I'm skipping ahead a little bit here, but we'll come back. Um, we really only get a couple from Rosalie. He, she calls Edward a, a pathetic cheating tool and then a leprous swine. I did. I want leprous swine tattooed somewhere on my body. I th- That made me laugh out loud. But other than that, I would say no. I was expecting more trash talk from Emmett personally, just because he's so competitive. But he was more just vibing with Bella, I think. Yeah, well, and he could have said it and they just, Edward just didn't make note of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Edward feels optimistic about Rosalie because he can see that Bella is obviously like, she clearly thinks that Rosalie's beautiful and he knows that Rosalie loves like admiration. And so he says, a little time and a lot of compliments. We could win Rose over together. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> um, and Rosalie is annoyed by, you know, how like lovey-dovey Edward and Bella are. And have we gotten to the part with Emmett yet? Where it was like not, it did not make sense with baseball. So it's on page 489, and then also on page 490 it continues. But it's when Rosalie's team is up to bat first. It's the very top of the first inning. And so the first one up to bat is Emmett. Emmett hits the ball, and Edward goes on this long thing about how Emmett hits the hardest, but Edward runs the fastest. So Emmett hits it, but Edward catches it. So Emmett is out. That's one out. As we know in baseball, there are three outs, okay? (laughs) Just want to put that out there. So then Jasper gets up to bat. Jasper hits it. He makes it to first. I believe um, Rose is up to bat, maybe. She hits it. She makes it on base. But Alice gets Jasper out, I think, when he's running to home or running to a base. Jasper is out via Alice. That's kind of at the mid or the sort of towards the bottom of 490. Yep. Um, two outs. Okay. okay. We're at two. Emmett is back up to bat. He does a sacrifice fly that is caught. Why? That's not a thing. If you if there's a third out, none of the runs count. That that's not a thing. Right. So like. It says Emmett would hit a long sacrifice fly to get Rosalie home. If they catch the ball, Rosalie going home does not matter. Her run does not count. You're absolutely right. And Emmett would know that. Emmett would know the rules. He's so he's so competitive and into winning and playing sports. Like he would know that. Uh, I I read it and I was like, 
I don't think Stephanie knows what she's talking about. Like, she's using the right words, but you would never do a sacrifice. Like, that's a word in baseball, for sure, a sacrifice fly. But not on the third out, sis. That's not how it works. (laughs) You are absolutely right. Um, It kind of reminds me of, like, I feel like a lot of people have this with just whatever activities that they actually participated in. Like whenever I see a soccer movie, like she's the man or there's a bunch. I mean, Sisterhood of the Trolling Pants. I'm like, that's not how you kick, that's not how you kick it. And then with friend of the pod, Remy, like when she sees like ballet dancing or whatever, she's like, that's totally wrong. You know what I mean? So it's just like, it's, it's Stephanie out of her league. A pun. <sighs> I'm annoyed. <laughs> I just, you know, I like that she took the time and effort to make it sound realistic, but wasn't good enough. (laughs) But she failed. (laughs) Maybe spend a little less time talking about Bella's breath inside of Edward's mouth and take that time and educate yourself on the sports that you're writing about. Boom. (laughs) Got him. (laughs) (sighs) So, yeah, I mean, other than that, there's not really that much to go over with the game. The score goes back and forth. And they're in the 11th, the 11th inning when Alice gets a vision that the strangers that she had foreseen coming the next day are heard them playing and are going to be coming to the clearing to see them. What did you think about the mechanics of this vision? Because we have criticized before how we're like, how could Alice not see that? Was this, like, believable to you? What do you think? It It was believable, and it also did help um, alleviate that confusion that I had, because I thought that she had envisioned that they were coming that day. So I was like, why would they even, why would they even attempt to do that with Bella there? But the fact that they didn't know, I mean, I guess you could still argue that it was still not a smart move, because you never know. And like, if they were playing baseball, I mean, vampires have crazy supernatural hearing you could kind of foresee that maybe they would hear you know I it did help alleviate the questions I had I'm still a little like "Mm, still doesn't seem like a good idea in my book but I can see why they thought maybe it was fine yeah and Edward's on the same page as you he automatically of course takes the blame upon himself and he's like it was so stupid that I brought her here like I never should have taken this risk blah 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 it's too late for that I mean no one in well I don't say no one Rosalie objected but no one else in the family said like well you know those visitors are coming tomorrow maybe it would be smarter not to have her like no one objected yeah everyone's to blame but mostly Edward (laughs) If anyone is not to blame, it's Rosalie. <laughs> yeah, true. It's Charlie. <laughs> um, they realize that, like, Alice tries to see into the future if Edward just leaves with Bella, and they find, like, in that version of the future, the strangers find Bella and Edward, and obviously that would be bad because they would be outnumbered. And so they're all just kind of like planning really fast. Emmett's like, who cares? It's only three of them. Bring it on. He's like, this is fun. (laughs) And then um, Edward makes Bella take her hair down and starts tapping his foot to the rhythm of her heartbeat to try to mask the sound of it, which I just feel like 
would be a very unnatural thing for a vampire to do because he talks about how they can be still. They don't have to move. So, like, why would a vampire willingly tap his foot? You know what I mean? Yeah, anytime anyone, even just a regular person, does that or, like, shakes their leg or does stuff like taps, like, their pen or pencil or clicks it, I notice that shit immediately. That's, it, it, it sticks out to me. So, a vampire doing it, I would 100% be on that. Yeah, definitely. Um... Esme asks mentally if they are thirsty. Edward says no. And then Bella asks about that later, you know, wondering what Esme had asked Edward. And Edward tells Bella to stay very still, keep quiet, and don't move from my side. And Alice very helpfully is like, when Edward's trying to like move her hair to um, put away like, or like hide her neck, she says, that won't help. I could smell her across the field, which in the movie, the line is delivered by Rosalie and actually makes a little more sense in my opinion. I agree. I mean, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, I feel like that's going to not, I'm, that's not going to do anything. But who am I, to, who am I to say? I, I'm just a regular person. <laughs> yep, I guess. I think you're perfectly qualified to say, but whatever. <sighs> so the three strangers kind of like break up into three separate paths and then they like join into one like united front it's very dramatic um edward points out that the red-headed female is like she is not down to be here she is super anxious she wants to run away like she's just super nervous and the two men he says are just excited that they can maybe play baseball with more of their kind like they're not worried about the situation at all and um edward pictures how this how he would have felt about the situation before he met bella and he's like it would have actually broken up the tedium you know might have been a little bit fun for me but now he says now i could feel nothing but dread panic and guilt so that's when he apologizes to bella he says i'm sorry bella it was stupid irresponsible to expose you like this i'm so sorry and bella doesn't say anything and he's like I wonder if she kept silent because of my warning or if she just had nothing to say to me. I'm like, maybe she's afraid for her life. Have you thought about that? Well, Bella's been so stoic and brave this whole time that maybe he doesn't even consider that. Right. True. That's a good point. So the last kind of thing that he touches on, Edward touches on, is that they're not going to, you know, give away the fact that they saw them coming, that Edward can read their minds. Like, why would they? That's like their secret weapon are Alice and Edward's powers. And then the last sentence of the chapter is frozen, motionless, as if we were hewn from the rock around us, we waited. Do you have any notes we didn't go over? I think we got everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. we did. Okay, cool. So for next week, we're reading chapter 22, which is called The Hunt. Got any predictions? I'm pretty sure that this is going to be when... Um, when Bella has that big pseudo argument with Charlie and it, it's going to be interesting to see what is going on behind the scenes because I can't remember, I, I don't remember if Edward goes with her or not. I, he doesn't go with her afterwards. That's when they separate and him and Emmett go with Carlisle and Alice and Jasper take Bella away so it'll be interesting to see how at this point the book will divert uh, or diverge from how twilight was because 
this is the only part really where the two of them are separated very distinctly, like basically in two completely different states. So honestly, it'll be exciting to see what even happens. You know, it it was very brief in Twilight about what Edward was up to and Carlisle and Emmett. Um, so that being in depth will be very interesting to read. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I do have a live reading coming up. Um, those of you who have read this already probably can guess what chapter is going to be. It's a very dramatic chapter. Um, but that's in a few weeks yet. But just stay tuned for that because I'm going to read it aloud to Paige and, uh, and get her live reaction. Can I guess what it is? Go ahead. Is it when they beat the fuck out of James? <laughs> no. Is it when he, is it when he sucks all of Bella's blood out? You don't get any more guesses. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a yes. It's actually not, but no more guesses. Damn it. Okay. Uh, you're not gonna get it because it's something that happens off screen, quote unquote, in Twilight. Interesting. Okay. All right. Well, now more than ever, um, you know everything that we talked about today. Obviously, the damage that white people and colonizers have done to indigenous people cannot be broken down by any one person or fixed by any one person or even a state or a territory if it's Canada or wherever you might live. Um, but we can do our part. And one way that we can do that, especially for the Quileutes, is to donate to move to higher ground. That's the movement that they're doing to try to move their tribal lands to safer areas where they're not as much at risk for flooding and losing, you know, their entire livelihoods and all their buildings and everything. So to donate to that, that is the website, website mthg.org. And Paige, do you want to run by our socials real quick? So you can contact us. We've been getting some really fun emails from people. If you want to send a fun email in, our email is twilight at gmail.com. Um, shout out to everyone who's been sending the fun emails. Hannah, we see the memes that you're sending and we love them. I, they're amazing. I, I am Emily, Emily, um, what's the word? You filter them for me. So I'm only getting the ones that I know about, but I showed my roommate them because they're very funny. Um, so yeah, if you have any fun memes, please, you can email them. You can send them at our Instagram, which is, uh, Tuesdays are for Twilight. You could tweet them at us at Taft Pod. Um, no Facebook. Oh, Tumblr is also Tuesdays are for Twilight. That is a hotbed for memes. So please, memes or GIFs, we'd love them. Um, and if you feel so inclined, our Patreon is patreon.com slash Tuesdays are for Twilight. But after the conversation we had, I mean... If you had if you had a dollar and you could either give it to us or the Quileutes, 100% give it to them because it's literally their homeland and their livelihood and safety. And for us, it's paying for Podbean. So you know, if you if you're gonna if you're gonna be generous, I would say do it for them. And yeah, I think that that's it. We haven't made any other. If you want to know our Amazon wish list, just add us. Um, if you want to know. What other social medias are there? Our Reddit will we'll let you know. We're not on Reddit. <laughs> Hannah legit sent us a thing from Reddit. She's like, I know you guys aren't on Reddit, so here's this. <laughs> well, if you guys want us on Reddit, we'll think about it. <laughs> we'll consider it. 
Um, yeah. Also, if there's any patrons out there that have any ideas for the next patrons exclusive or donor exclusive, so if you donate to Move to Higher Ground, you can get into that as well. But if you guys have any ideas on what you might like next, um, please let us know. We don't have anything in the works right now as we're just trying to keep our head above water. Paige just finished school today. I'm actually going out of town in a couple of weeks. So anyways, we'll figure something out cool for you guys. But if you have anything that you would like to do, please do let us know. We love to hear your ideas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, Paige, you got anything else before we sign off? Um, for those of our listeners who have breasts, I would 100% recommend measuring yourself and finding out your actual bra size because it will change your life. So do that. Even if you don't have breasts that require a bra, it's still fun. <laughs> All right. I like that. I like that a lot. We will see you next week for Chapter 22 of Midnight Sun. Bye, guys. Bye. Our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at Danimal6, and that's six the word, not six the number, Danimal6 underscore on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs>